Rancho Radio. 92.9. We are brought to you this morning by Pam Harris's Pea Quail Realty in Rio Rancho on Southern Boulevard and also by TJ's Evergreen Herbal Market on Deborah Road in Rio Rancho. It is time to find out what is going on in the City of Vision with our mayor, Greg Hull. Good morning, mayor. Well, good morning, Derek, and thank you all for tuning in. And let me be the first to apologize for last week's show being close to an hour. <laughs> I don't know if you were interested in the zoning of the, the city properties and yeah. how all that works. It might have been interesting to people. Yeah, you know? it, I think it is interesting yeah. stuff. And, and it's, the water. It's, it's really important that we get that information out there so everybody understands that we as a local government are doing the best we can to get information out and be as transparent as we possibly can. But once again, for those that listened in for the whole hour, thank you for doing that. And, you know, if you found that content interesting, uh, we would ask you to please share it on your Facebook page or share the link on your Instagram or Twitter and talk about the fact that we have a uh, weekly podcast and it's the Greg Hull Mayor Rancho podcast on Spotify. But this week, I will promise everybody we're not going to go over 30 minutes today. So, <laughs> well, yeah. and. But I know for, for a while now, people have been asking about the water, and you've been right. promising to do a, a program about water, yep. and so you did. And yep. now we know how it's measured and who uh, checks and why. And right. And, you know, interestingly enough, I was listening to one of the radio stations. I can't remember, but there was just this weird commercial that came on that says, check your local water authority's website, and so you can see what everybody's doing, you know? Well, and, maybe they're listening to <laughs> us. Right. <laughs> right? Because that's what you want to do is check the local water authority's website. And if you're curious about what's going on, uh, how we develop our rates, how we test stuff, all of those reports are right there online for you to look at. And if you have any questions, you can always contact the city directly and we'll try to answer your questions. I do get questions from time to time where people email me and I try to call some of the folks back and uh, answer the questions directly when I have time. And other times I forward those questions off to our department directors uh, to let them kind of address the concerns and kind of go from there. But uh, yeah, you know, it's all part of the conversation and it's that information that we need to know as a community that our water supply is safe and that we're doing things to make sure that we can encourage sustainability. So you owned a shipping and packing company. You had obviously to learn about water. Yes. That was not something that you needed to know about yeah. for shipping stuff. I think the extent of what I knew about water uh, comes before, out of the faucet. Yeah, yeah, it comes out of the faucet when I turn the valve. Yeah. You know, I knew how to turn off the main in case I had a leak yeah, in the I've house, done that. right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, at that point, you don't want it flowing into the house. But no, I did. I had to do a lot of research. And when I sit down and I talk with people about water, you've really got to know what you're talking about. And why are Rio Rancho water rates the way they are? Well, it's primarily because we pump 100% groundwater. And so it's really expensive to pump groundwater. We also have a very spread out system. Our system is spread out over 103 square miles. And that's not an efficient system. In the beginning, when Rio Rancho was allowed to kind of just spread. I kind of call it yeah. empire building, right? Now, we haven't annexed any new property since I've been mayor because I think we have enough. Yeah, more than enough. <laughs> we have yeah. more than enough. But you've got these water and sewer systems that take a lot of effort to maintain. And 
I'm just really proud of the fact that we're making some great progress on improving the system. Is it perfect? No. <laughs> the, will it ever be perfect? No, it's not going to be perfect. You're always going to have waterline breaks. You're always going to have something that needs repair. All of these things are mechanical. And so as we look at the system, you're going to have pumps that go down. You're going to have wells that go down. You're going to have lift stations that stop operating properly. You're always going to need to be replacing parts in our wastewater treatment facilities. As a matter of fact, right now we're embarking on a $13 million project at Wastewater Treatment 2, replacing what's known as the headworks of that particular facility to make sure that it can continue to be in environmental compliance with what needs to happen for cleaning the wastewater and then cleaning it to a quality that it can be returned to the river and if you go down into the uh, Bosque area, you can actually see uh, down in the Harvey Jones uh, discharge area where uh, that water comes out. It integrates with the river and it actually is an area we, we did a ribbon cutting on it not too long ago. Um, it's actually an area because of the way the water is aerated. It attracts the fish. Oh. So the fishermen love to fish down in that area. Right. So it's a very complicated system but at this point it's doing what it needs to do when it gets water to everybody that it needs to get to a lot of the water lines in the city when i took office there were eighteen thousand service lines to houses that needed to be replaced because they were this old polyethylene piping right and those were just breaking all over the place just like they, they do in the houses and they still are yeah you know yeah. um if you saw water bubbling up from the street it was because one of those service lines broke and uh, this, the crews have to go out and fix them and so on and so forth. Over the last nine years, I think we've replaced 9,000 of them. We're replacing about 1,000 a year as we move through. We've also been replacing all the meters to put in digital read meters. And as we repave roads, we're replacing the main lines underneath the road. Like, for example, in your area, mm-hmm. you saw on Riverside Drive that they replaced the water line. Yeah, my pressure got better. Too. Yes, So that we hope is going to not have any more water main breaks on that street, at least not for a long, long time. We're hoping, (laughs) right? So Um, that'll save the city some money and us, the taxpayers, not having to tear up the street and fix the leaks all the time. Absolutely. And once again, you have to remember that the utility is an enterprise fund. It has to earn its own money. It has to earn its own keep. So the rates have to be reflective of an operational system or, as you and I like to refer to it, as a business. Yes. Okay. (laughs) The business has to make enough money to keep itself running, right? And that's part of replacing equipment and maintaining the system. And so there's a lot that goes into it and there's a lot to consider when you consider where our water rates are and the fact that we have to buy water rights and that all of our water comes from groundwater, then we have to, like we talked about last week, there's a level of cleaning that we have to do when it comes to removing the arsenic and other potential contaminants out of the water. And then once we clean that, then we have to deliver it, right? Interesting. Yeah. Well, all right. A lot well, of stuff. But yeah. no, I did not have all this vast water knowledge prior to being in office, but there's, there was a lot to learn. I knew enough, but I didn't know enough. Well, it's great that you took the time to find out. Since you need to know these things, you go and you find out. Well, I think as a community leader, it's in, it's incumbent upon me. It's a responsibility to go out and learn as much as I can about these things that impact our day-to-day lives. Because over 100,000 people are trusting that myself and the city council and city staff are making the right decisions to protect their homes, to protect their families, and to provide a 
great quality of life for the citizens of Rio Rancho. And once again, I just, I'm always humbled by the people that walk up and thank me for how we're running the city and thank me for how things are going on in the city. And despite some of the negativity that's out there, the overwhelming majority that, that walk up to me and say, Hey, and you know, Mayor Hull, I just want to say thank you for this. If they didn't truly like what was going on in the city, they'd give me a glance and keep walking. Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to say. People vote with their feet and people are, what are we, the fastest growing city in the state now? Yes. Yeah. So why are they coming here? Yeah. They're seeing what we've done up here in Rio Rancho and they see the kind of the path that we're on and they like what they see. They like the public safety. They like the quality of life. Do we have everything that big cities have? No. And well, let me remind you, you don't want everything that some of the big cities have, you know, but we are incrementally building on what we do have. And I think we're making the right steps and we're moving in a positive direction that supports the ideals and the values of the community. So yeah, that's the different things. And speaking of moving things in the right direction, we're going to talk about the libraries today. That's Not right. What, we, what are we covered last week? Yes. So <laughs> new display at the library. Yeah. So you're a member a few months, uh, well, it was last year we got selected by the Smithsonian to have the Americans and the Holocaust exhibit come to the Loma, Colorado Library, which was a huge honor to be selected, not only out of all the national libraries that applied, but to be selected as the first library to get that exhibit when it kicked out. And so that was an excellent exhibit. I got the opportunity to be there for the ribbon cutting. And that being said, we're continuing to pursue additional exhibits from the Smithsonian. It was started on January 14th. I'm sorry we haven't talked about it before this. We have a new exhibit that's going to be there till April 8th. So there's still plenty of time to go check it out. You got all of March and up till April 8th to go check this exhibit out. But this is a new exhibit called The Way We Worked. And it's an American history on the workforce. And just a little description here that I'm reading off of the public library's webpage here. The way we worked explores how work became such a central element in American culture by tracing the many changes that affected the workforce and the environments over the past 150 years. And then the way we worked is an exhibition created by the National Archives is adapted for travel by the Smithsonian Institution Traveling Exhibition Service and made possible with the generous support of the United States Congress. So this is a really cool deal. Now, along with that, we've been having some events. And back in January 28th, we did a celebration of women in technologies that went along with that. And then on February 11th, unions in America, the State of the Union, and that was another basically a daily thing, a one-time kind of event that was held there at the library that's kind of supporting this total overall exhibit. Yesterday, on February 18th, we had New Mexico Railroad Workers, and historian Fred Friedman gave an overview of the New Mexico Railroads and Workers. And if you've never really read any books on the New Mexico Railroads, believe it or not, the New Mexico Railroads and some of the things that happened years ago had a very substantial impact on the water history of New Mexico. As the railroads went through, and this is an interesting story, the Army Corps of Engineers was called in to build Elephant Butte. And oh. to, as a reservoir to control the water that went down to Texas to make sure that we were delivering what we needed to to deliver the water to Texas under the compacts, but also to control it so that we weren't losing water that we could use down in the area for irrigation and basically agriculture. Mm -hmm. And so that was what that was. 
Well, interestingly enough, because of the clear cutting of all the trees in northern New Mexico, when the water would come down, the trees weren't there. So all the water that was traveling down would carry all the silt uh, down into the river. And then the rivers would carry the silt all the way to Elephant Butte. And actually, within the first like five or six years, Elephant Butte was in on a very rapid refill of not water, but silt. silt yeah. <laughs> it was filling up with silt. So the capacity of the reservoir to actually hold water was diminishing very rapidly because it was, it, was, with, yeah. it was filling up with dirt, right? Yeah. And so that's an interesting story. I know that I've read in some books when you talk about water history in New Mexico and the railroads as they went through. But yeah, the railroads were a major portion of what went on in New Mexico. Well, that's how Grant's came to be. It was uh, the Grant's brothers were (laughs) hired from Canada to build a railroad through there, and there was Grant's Station originally, and they called it Grant's. And they got there, and it was the flattest place they could see. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, through those mesas. Exactly. It was one of the flattest areas. Same thing with Clovis. They got in there and said, hey, this is a nice flat area, so you've got a lot of rail yards through there, too. But on March 18th at 10 a.m., there's Storming Caesar's Palace, and this is New Mexico PBS, Indy Lens, pop-up advance screening and discussion. So you've got that that's going to work around this. And on March 25th from 10 a.m. to 1, what do I want to be when I grow up? It's a career fair that's going to be happening there. You can meet teachers and firefighters and doctors and veterinarians and more. So this goes along with that. And then on April 6th, we have uh, 1912 a musical snapshot of America in the year New Mexico became a state. And that's uh, Jane Voss and Holly Osborne take us back to 1912 to a close look at the exhibition. So all of this has to do with this Americans, the way we worked, Americans in the workforce. You can go over there and check it out. And I always encourage everybody to please go check out what's going on at our libraries. Our library director, Jason, over there and all of the staff they work so hard to make those libraries very accessible to as many people as possible and as inviting as possible so that the most amount of people can go there and enjoy those facilities and that's what we want we want everybody to go there and you and i have talked in the past eric about my experience with the libraries is that the libraries played an integral role in the way that i raised our kids here in Rio Rancho, Carrie, more than myself, would go pick the kids up from school. And the only library in Rio Rancho at the time was the Esterbone Library over there on behind the post office mm-hmm. and on Pine Tree. And she would take them there and they would do their homework and they would read books and they would enjoy whatever was there. And Loma, Colorado Library didn't exist at that time. But now we have Esther Bone, Loma, Colorado, and very shortly we're going to be opening up the new North End Rio Rancho Library there at Plaza Enchanted Hills. And it's a library and community center called The Hub. And it's exciting that that's finally going to be up there because when we took the kids to Esther Bone, we lived in Enchanted Hills. So it was a long drive. Yeah, it's a long ride. Yeah. <laughs> so so no, but, that's but, good. Yeah, keep an eye out. And if you haven't, follow the libraries on Facebook or go to the libraries page at rrnm.gov. And it's the Library and Information Services page. And they keep that pretty updated with all the things that are happening on. And once again, this is The Way We Worked, a Smithsonian Traveling Exhibition. And it's going to be at the Loma Colorado Library up until April 8th. And then we'll see what the next exhibition we get will be there. And we'll see which one's coming up next. But go and check this one out. 
I think you'll appreciate all the information and the history that you can glean from it. Oh, yeah. It's fun to see how things have changed. You know, when I used to go on these ghost town hunting trips with our morning DJ, Steve Ricketts, we would go into these towns in Nevada. And the blacksmith shop was such a major part of businesses in those days. Right. Because everybody rode horses. So you needed the blacksmith. You had to reshoe the horses and throw a shoe. You got to get it. And anyway, so it's just interesting how... Now you need a tire shop. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, and a mechanic. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, just interesting how things have changed with technology. But no, it is fun to go back and, and see things like that. What was important in those days that we've completely gotten when, away from when now? You, when you look at the history of the American workforce, and I still to this day look at that one picture of the construction workers sitting on the girder on a high rise in New York City oh, yes. eating lunch. There's yeah. no way I'm doing that. No, and you would never <laughs> get me out there. No. But these guys, that's what they did. And you notice there, they don't have any hard hats on. They don't have any safety straps. Nope. Certainly don't encourage that type of activity because one of the things that's really occurred through the, the development of the workforce is also OSHA and safety. a lot of safety yeah. requirements that have been brought into I mean, play. They're tossing hot rivets back and forth. You know? I know. It's like... Yeah. Yeah. And it's changed. It's it's evolved quite dramatically over the years from where we're at. And now, you know, a lot of the workforce is computer based and, you know, things that we're doing in developing and designing, you know, uh, computer software and apps and so on and so forth. But go over there, check it out. We want to make sure that you're invited to that. That being said, I want to make sure that everybody remembers that coming up on March 12th at 12 noon from 12 to 4, at the Rio Rancho Event Centers, we have the St. Baldrick's Foundation that if you want to go over there and get a really close haircut, <laughs> raising money for cures, to find cures to childhood cancers. So have you decided if you're going to dangle yet? If the firefighters set up the repelling apparatus, I'll probably go ahead and do it. Okay. But this time I'm, I'm probably going to go home. I'm not going to show up, come straight from church like I've done in the past where I'm in my dress shoes Mm -hmm. that don't get a real good grip on that girder that's up there, you know, that steel beam Mm -hmm. that's up above. So your shoes are kind of slipping off. It doesn't really, they don't really let you lean back the way you need to. And it starts to freak you out a little bit because you're looking down and, uh, you know, that's a long Long way way down. down. It's a long way down. And so we'll see if I do decide what I'll do is I'll probably try to raise some funds to support St. Baldrick's. Well, explain why you do that for our listeners that have this is the first they're hearing about it. Yeah, well, St. Baldrick's is a foundation that uh, raises money to find cures for childhood cancer. Right, and, and so how does dangling raise money? Well, okay, they get you halfway down and then they stop you and they're like, if you want to get down, you got to raise some money. <laughs> <laughs> so they'll leave, they'll leave me suspended up there until I can raise some money. Yeah, and then people, so people donate money to bring you down and then Carrie's standing there just giving them money to keep you up there, right. right, yeah, she's paying to leave me up there. Yeah. So it's kind of... <laughs> <laughs> how much how much to leave him up there for yeah. an hour you know but we're uh, kidding of course. yes of course we're kidding no carrie is uh she would do that but <laughs> no it's we're all out there to have a good time it's a lot of fun and uh yeah if the firefighters set up the uh repelling apparatus i think i'll give it another shot there's probably not many more years i'm going to be able to do that and so um, if i can help raise money then uh let's do what we can yeah, well, you're in pretty good shape. Not too bad. Not yeah. too bad. I can still get around. You know, my latest thing is scuba diving. And as I said, I should have started scuba diving at a much younger age because I never knew how amazing it was. So I encourage people to try things out. 
Now, I don't see you doing knocker balls again on uh, Mayor Sunday is fun day, no. but the obstacle course or something, although I know uh, we were talking about this, it doesn't give you a chance to come out and, and meet people because you're so busy doing this. So you might find a surrogate to do right. that for you. So the, on the knocker ball side, yeah, we will not do that again because I'm pretty sure I came away from that event with a cracked rib. Ooh. <laughs> you know, yeah. And uh, it was so know. hot that day, it was, And it was hot. Yeah. yeah I don't think we're going to put uh, subject people to... Being in a clear plastic ball <laughs> at 98 degree temperatures. Yeah. Kickball has worked. Re- I, look, I think we found our stride with kickball, right? Mm-hmm. It's bursts of energy. It's good competition. Everybody has fun. Nobody's out to get you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> kicking the ball, not you. Yeah. Right. So the worst that might happen is they throw a rubber ball at your head, you know. <laughs> <laughs> to get you out. Yeah. But like you said, last year we, we were talking about this and uh, the whole idea of this was for you to be able to come out and meet people yep. in a comfortable setting, not not an official setting. And so you can't really do that when you're involved in these uh, sporting events. Right, right. And that was the big problem with this past Sunday is fun day is with the kickball tournament, it does. It consumes the whole time that I'm there. So I don't get to move around and meet people and see all the booths and talk to people and hear things. So when people go, where's the mayor, where's the mayor? And they're, well, he's down on the kickball field. So yeah. And then of course, when I'm playing in a game, it's hard to stop and talk to somebody. Cause I have a few people walk up to me while we're playing the game and I go, oh, I'm sorry, I wish I could talk to you about that item, but I don't, I can't write at the moment. You got to pay attention to what you're doing. Right. But, uh, and then the one year you were in the dunk tank, that yes. was fun. <laughs> yeah, I think I came away with that one with a cold. Yeah, because was, that was the one year it got cold. <laughs> right. In right. August, it so got I cold. So I came out of there, and I'm pretty sure I got uh, some, yeah, somewhat did. of a cold after that, because yeah, I was I down that. for a couple of days. Yeah. yeah, you know, see, I just put myself out there. It's, you know, <laughs> it's getting beat up on, on a knocker ball or, or yeah. catching a cold. We get out there and we have a fun time, but you know, it's all for a great cause. It's all to support the community. And I just can't tell you how much fun we've been having with all this stuff. So as you probably have seen, we've gotten a few of these roads done. May Circle got done. I don't know if you've driven that one. No, I haven't been over there. It looks really nice. That's one of those mill and inlay residential projects. And we're going to continue. That's not the only one we're going to do. Well, Riverside um, looks oh, like one side is about done. Yeah, Riverside is moving along very nicely. And despite what anybody says is the mayor does not live on May Circle, neither <laughs> does the city councilor. So a staff picked that one because it met all the criteria to get it done. And we did one mile in each city council district. But that one looks great. And they're working on St. Andrews. And that one's under progress. It's my understanding that, unfortunately, they did hit a gas line over there. So that caused a little bit of problems King Boulevard is well underway. They hit a gas line on that one the other day, too. So I guess we're rediscovering where all the utilities are in Rio Rancho. Yes, they weren't marked well when they were installed. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) You know, they do a lot of work trying to find those things, and they work very hard and make sure that they avoid hitting them. But from time to time, that does happen. But fortunately, you know, nobody was hurt, anything like that. And so we've got a lot of roads under progress. And this just came to mind. On a personal note, I want to just say... How and normally stay real positive on this show, but I, it just came to mind. I want to make sure that I say something about it. I want to say how disgusted I am at whoever it was that called in the gun shootings to Bernalillo High School, Rio Rancho High School, and Volcano Vista High School. Senator Craig Brandt is running a bill through uh, the House right now to make that a felony to do that. Good. So I don't think anybody realizes that a quote unquote prank, I'm doing air quotes because it's, it's nothing funny about it. It instills terror in the minds oh, of yeah. people. After what we're seeing on the news yes, these days? Yeah, we're seeing what we're seeing on the news. 
It's no joking matter. Albuquerque, Rio Rancho, Bernalillo, Sandoval County, Bernalillo County, just about any agency you can think of, I apologize if I missed one of them, were deployed dealing with this, making sure that nobody was hurt and making sure that if it did happen, we were responding appropriately. So let me say this to our first responders. Thank you for the hard work you do and and, uh, that every one of them took every one of those calls extremely seriously. Yeah, well, you have to. You know, and they uh, rushed to aid. And let me tell you, when you deploy resources like that and police officers, I was driving down the street when one of them had to had to cross over on a red light and traffic was coming through there. Those guys are putting their lives at risk responding to these emergencies, right? Crossing through intersections, through red lights, trying to get everybody to stop so they can get through them to get to where they're going. And so just kudos to all of our first responders that work so hard to get deployed to where they needed to be because they did an amazing job. But shame on whoever called those things in. And uh, I hope we find out who did call those in. I hope that some way we figure that out. That's inappropriate. It's wrong. We shouldn't be doing it. And I hope that if we do find out that they're prosecuted to the full extent of the law, because there was a lot of expense. And I think that one of the things we need to look at is when we find out that somebody's done this as a quote unquote prank, I think we ought to send them the bill. Well, because do you know how many thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars that cost the taxpayers of Albuquerque, Rio Rancho, Bernalillo, Sanibel County, Bernalillo County, all the taxpayers that are involved that fund all this first responder equipment? Plus, Derek, if somebody was having a real medical emergency or if there had been a real emergency somewhere else where somebody needed that emergency medical equipment, it would have been readily available possibly for them. And somebody could have died because of that because all of our resources were deployed at the schools. Right, and whoever called in the prank should be responsible for that as well. Correct, correct. So I just want to say that, uh, you know, don't do that. That's not funny, and it's very expensive. Shame on whoever did it, but to our first responders, I do want to say thank you for being there. Thank you for responding. Thank you for always being vigilant about the things that you do and putting your lives on the line each and every day. So didn't mean to end this on a somber note, but I did think about that. I wasn't planning on talking about that, but that just came to mind that I think I needed to mention something about that, Derek. And with that, I want to wish everybody a happy President's Day tomorrow. Okay. For those of you all who have the day off, I'll be working. Yeah. I know that city city offices are closed, but I'm still on the job. Okay. <laughs> Good to know, Mayor. Good to so, know. Have a great President's Day tomorrow. Oh, and I don't know if you saw it. I, I don't know if they were flying it for President's Day or not. But did you see the big crane over at Intel was flying the flag? Oh, how they cool. No, I didn't see that. a flag up there. I was driving in from Santa Fe on Friday. And as I got to Bernalillo, I could see the crane all the way from Bernalillo, right? Right. And I'm like, something's hanging from the crane. I, like, what do they have lifted up that high? And as I get closer and closer, I realized it was this massive American flag. So thank you to the crane company for putting that flag out there. It looks great. It's a and major flagpole. I snapped a few pictures of it because okay. I dropped my wife off at Intel as we approached it. She had something she needed to do there. So, yeah, that flag looked really good. And I have I didn't look to see if it was up there this morning. But if it is, uh, thank you for putting it up. And okay. it looks great. And so everybody go out there and uh, make it a wonderful Sunday. And God bless.